Engineer Mike, it took him a while to get boating down, but that was the one where he came into his own as a helmsman. That was the adventure yes, that's where true. he did. Yes, he. We needed some great helmsing. Yeah. I don't know what the verb would be, sailing anyway, to survive that. And we all came out of that attack alive, which was pretty amazing. Oh, sorry, captaining. Yes. <laughs> I don't know Engineer Mike very well, but what I do know of him is that he really, really likes to sail boats when we play video games. Recorded in our Nerdhaven studios, this is Pop Medieval, your host, Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina Mack. Discussing the intersection of medieval literature and pop culture on a semi-weekly basis. And now, back to your podcast. What, Doc? What, Nina? Well, it looks like we have a new obsession as of late. <laughs> yes. We've been playing this video game called Valheim. That It's a relatively recent game, but it's super fun and super addictive. Yes, yeah, so it's been a lot of, of us and Engineer Mike and another uh, fellow whose character's name is Niklaus, and we've been viking it up. So for those who are the, the unwashed masses out there, why don't you tell them what this game Valheim is about? Sure, so it's pretty topical for pop medieval. Valheim is a survival slash co-op slash MMO available on Steam or double check. Engineer Mike, is it just a PC game? It's a PC game (laughs) (laughs) where you are flown in. You, as in the player character, are flown in on a Valkyrie. You are dropped in at these standing stones and you are left to survive naked and afraid. And I compare it to games like Minecraft, where you have to build things, you have to build structures, you have to build weapons, you have food that you have got to eat and prepare recipes. And also another game we've mentioned several times on this podcast, Ark Survival Evolved, where everything wants to kill you. Other comparisons I've seen, one game that I have not played, Horizon Zero Dawn, Conan Exiles, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, probably because, you know, it's got this Norse theme to it. The setup of the game is very Norse. Odin is in it, very cooperative. Building things, things are killing you. Mythical Nordic creatures. Some creatures, I don't know if they're actually Nordic or if they're just fictional. It's definitely a new obsession of ours. We've been playing it pretty consistently for the past two months now. Gosh, has it been two months? Been about two months. Yeah. Now, time goes regardless of who's on. So if someone's on, time goes. And I did notice that we were in day 700 something. Since it's a half hour per day, that means Mm -hmm. that among the players who've been playing in our little world, that's something like combined we've racked up somewhere in the range of 300 plus hours. Oh my gosh, really? Yes. So we've, uh, we've played a couple... A few minutes of the game. And we're not in the end game yet, but we're partly not <laughs> mm-hmm. in the end game because sometimes we'll think like, we want to do this new thing, but now nah, we want to do it. We, won't, we don't want to do that till someone else gets on here so we can all die together. Uh, and there's a lot of yeah. dying together that we've been doing in the game. That's sure. true. Yeah, you will die and you will die a lot. So if you get in this game thinking, oh, I'm going to play this all the way through. I'm going to have a perfect record. Nah, get that out of your head immediately. And also get it out of your head immediately that you're going to play this game alone. This game is for cooperative play. Yeah. I I tried getting on. I, I'm a person who likes to play games 
alone by myself at first to give them a feel. The minute I sat foot in this game by myself, I said, no, I, I need an entire group to play this game because you cannot survive more than 15 minutes without a grayling trying to just chop off your head, emerge from the forest and slice you into pieces. You need an entire party to build things with you. It's just, it's hard. We'll get into that in a minute. There are parts you can do by yourself. So Mrs. Awesome has all these pig farms all over the place that she's set up. Uh, for what no one else can get on. I call it Viking Animal Crossing when she plays. Like, she'll get on and just say, I'm just go farm some pigs and plant some carrots and turnips and hoe the earth. Mm -hmm. And there are elements of the game you can sure do by yourself. And you can play solo, but I think you're right. I think it's a game you really want to play co-op. Yeah, to get to that point, you're going to need at least two or three other people to help you build the wall around that farm and, and the like. It's very Stardew Valley with a lot of people. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get started. So what is the meaning behind the name Valheim? So like a lot of the game, it's kind of got old Norse names that they've tweaked a little bit. I don't know why. I, I suspect it's for SEO purposes because it kind of, it has the feeling of someone trying to avoid copyright infringement. Yeah. It's unlikely that Snorri Sturluson's going to come back from the dead and sue them. So I think they just want it to be searchable. So Valheim, the mm. word Heim means like home. And the idea is that you are a dead warrior and you're trying to earn the right to, in this kind of purgatory world that you are in the middle of Yggdrasil, the world tree, to fight on Odin's behalf. So it's like Valhalla, but not exactly. So it's Valheim, Valhalla home, something like that. I see. Okay. It's more just to conjure the idea of this Nordic mythical world rather than just be any specific place yeah that i think that's true but i will also say that compared to most viking setting games obviously it's got all sorts of mythical elements you start off you're basically dead and then mm -hmm. you get re-deaded as time goes on many times <laughs> yeah uh, and you get attacked by draugr who are former dead people who failed and are really really dead now there's degrees of deadness i guess it's not realistic in that sense but in some other ways it really i think does a lot to get at this kind of viking ambiance that's way more historically accurate i think than you would normally see so even valheim isn't just a kind of random collection of oh, this sounds like viking words but thought through in some way i still feel like you know when you're trying to write high fantasy and include something norse or something gaelic or something even old english and you go to one of those fantasy name generators mm -hmm. and you click start and it Gives you something that's vaguely Old English or Norse or Gaelic, but it sounds like crap. Yes. it's It's got like the suffix of this and the prefix of this, and they just put it together. It, it makes something vaguely Old English-y, Nordic-y, Gaelic-y. I feel like this did a good job. Like it does not sound crappy at all. It does a really good job. Being high fantasy without being too out there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think they have these little, in addition to the main standing stones you, you go to and others that have a function, they have a lot of little standing stones that are written in runes and have what are often authentic Viking names of the people who've carved them, which tell stories. And some of them give information like, oh, be careful about such and such in this area. But others will just be... I can't believe I'm here. Just little snippets of <laughs> snippets of life. Yeah. My carrot farm was destroyed. Uh, now I'm going to go kill the gray dwarves to get revenge or something along those lines. Like the graffiti at Pompeii. There you, you know, go. Don't exactly. Poop, don't poop on this wall. You know, that sort of thing. 
look that up for anyone interested. That's <laughs> it's hilarious. Like I was saying, there's a lot of building that has to go into this game. Of the things that you have to build are tools and weapons. You start off with iron weapons, if I'm correct. No, you start with wood. Wood and stone. Wood and stone, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then you move on, your metal increases. So yes. can you tell our audience a little bit about the progression of the strength of your weapons? Like all such games, the first thing you do is punch trees until you get wood. Uh, so there's bits of wood and stone on the ground and you build like stone axes and things. And eventually, after doing certain things, you can start mining metals that you can process and forges and things. You can make tin and copper, which are minimally useful, but you eventually can combine those two to bronze and then you can get iron. And then later silver, which is somehow stronger than iron, but used for, for magical purposes. And then I guess later on in the end game thing that we've sort of been slow walking toward is black iron, which I think is supposed to be steel basically. So you move your way from the stone age tech until steel. But that being said, it's not like you have flying cars in the end. You're still, it's just your sword is less right terrible uh, as time goes on. Right. So this is the progression of history too, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. They try to take you technologically up through what would have been like to be a stone age Viking or arguably what it would have been like to be a Viking who was shipwrecked or this is all I have. How can I get more weapons? How can I move forward? Speaking of shipwreck, so <laughs> let's shift our topics a little bit to sea travel, which we know was extremely important to the Vikings. How realistic is the sea travel in this game? So it's... It's pretty realistic for such a game. You know, normally you mm -hmm. let your sail down, you push your arrow, and you go off in that direction, Minecraft style. Maybe there's some variation of that. In this game, which direction the wind's coming from matters. Mm -hmm. How much your your sail is unfurled matters. Uh, it's not entirely accurate. It's not like it's a flight simulator where every element of, of <laughs> sailing a long ship is present. Uh, but yeah. it is largely there. And my biggest complaint is that long ships were designed to travel both directions and this one you can only row backwards uh, which is fine now now uh, mrs awesome only you and, would have that complaint <laughs> yes mrs awesome and nicholas have a complaint also which is when you're on the bigger ships the long ships the passengers who are presumably also rowing they don't get a rowing animation they really want to be there rowing i agree with this yeah but instead they end up running around and looking for sea serpents and other such things or the people who are clinging to the mast like yes. out of terror because it's storming and there's a giant sea serpent that's coming after you. We're really just holding on to the mast. We're not doing anything. I want to see a screaming animation. Yes. And you can be swept if, off by yeah. waves. We've had that happen yeah. many times. That was certainly an adventure. The first time we got to see, the first time I got to see a storm out at sea, that was horrifying, but also incredibly compelling too. It was like a movie. It yes. was very immersive. I loved it. And the first so. time we had a storm at sea on a raft, we had to quit soon after because everyone was mm -hmm. seasick afterward, like legitimately motion sickness. Yes. Yes. From, yep. mm -hmm. from being on these huge, uh, these huge waves that were throwing you around. Because you can't take your eyes off the screen at any time. Otherwise, you will be thrown out into the ocean or in the sea and you will get <laughs> eaten by a sea serpent. Eaten, drowned. Run out of stamina, mm -hmm. what have you. You you mm -hmm. will be dead. You will be dead is really the ending of most Valheim adventures. This is true, yeah. Let's talk about the, how cooperative this game is and how this game rewards you for being in a group or in a, I guess tribe is the wrong term for it. A settlement would be best. We have built, I guess collectively, 
many settlements, many large miniature cities throughout our game, which you can't really do if you're just playing as a single player, not just because it's impossible to collect all those materials, but also because you really need the help of many players to get this accomplished. The cities that we're building, honestly, they're a video game, but I mean, is this a reflection of medieval Viking settlements at all? Yeah, so in the popular imagination, Vikings just went around raiding and pillaging. But the Mm -hmm. truth is, 90% of Viking life was not that. And then normally when you're raiding and pillaging, you're doing it close to home. So most Viking raids and pillages were of other Vikings. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the the popular imagination is doesn't think about what life was like at home. They lived in a pretty, you know, unforgiving environment. And you had to cooperate. You had to participate in the life in a lot of ways. So for example, one of the things in the popular imagination for rowing a ship is that there would be these slaves who are rowing. But in fact, Vikings seem to think of this more as a kind of team thing that you were doing together as a group. Mm-hmm. And so like a team building, rowing your longship was the trust fall of the Viking working world, I guess. And so yeah. when you have a settlement, you know, most of the people are there, they're farming. They are defending against wild animals that are coming in. They are fletchers to make arrows, you all those kinds of things. And you always would have that kind of thing for any kind of settlement, but that's a pretty unforgiving world. And if you don't have enough food coming up to the winter, when you're frozen in and you have not been cooperating, things are gonna be tough. And they had buildings, like separate buildings, like we have, we'll have a building that's just for the forge, or we have a building that's just for sleeping. So they had separate buildings like this, or would there be like a general building for everything? You probably would have had a long haul that would be the kind of public space where public events Mm -hmm. would happen. And then others would live in their smaller farms or huts around there. So there mm-hmm. there would be public buildings and then there would be these private dwellings. So you'd live in a communitarian way where everyone is in some way cooperative, but you're not all living together in one giant barracks most of the time. So we asked a few days ago, we mentioned that we were doing this episode in our Discord, which we will have the link to in our podcast notes. We asked if there were any questions for us, and we got a couple about the creatures in this game. So how about we talk a little bit about uh, some of the creatures we encounter, which there are plenty of those. Let's first start with the two crows that we encounter. You said that you thought the first one was a, a Valkyrie, right? So I think the bird that flies you into Valheim at the beginning, I think it's supposed to That's be a Valkyrie. That's the Valkyrie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not a crow. All right. No. And th- But then when you land, there's immediately a crow that talks to you and that's Hugin, uh, which Hugin, is one yeah. of two ravens that report about the goings on on yes. Earth to, to Odin. And he references Munin, the other one, and Munin's referenced, maybe Munin comes in later in the game or maybe Munin's coming in some later expansions. Right now, I haven't seen Moon in. I haven't either, yeah. Yeah, so Hoogan seems to be there to give you, you know, tutorial stuff from the game. Tell you what's going on. Yeah. And I don't know, is there Nordic or Norse lore about crows or ravens or rooks or, you know, they've got so many names. Is there anything about uh, Corvids? We should say. <laughs> there we go. That's the actual name. Yes. Is there any lore in Norse mythology surrounding Corvids that we should know about? I don't know about generally. So one thing you had to be careful about when you're talking about Norse mythology, not just Norse mythology, but almost any religion, we come at it culturally from a Christian perspective. Even if you're not a Christian, your basic assumptions are Christian assumptions. And Christianity is a very, very developed, written down 
theology. So mm -hmm. there are going to be differences between, say, Eastern Orthodox and Copts and Protestants and Catholics. And, but basically, there are certain sorts of things which are set. Whereas when you look at most religions that don't have a particular holy book at the center of them, Hinduism, for example, and Norse mythology, it's, it's hard to kind of pin down like what is definitely the thing. So you kind of got to go with what stories are told a lot. And one of the big stories is that particularly Hugin and Munim, I think there is this sense of crows as, as messengers to the gods. Now, in this game, mm -hmm. actually, they're messengers from the gods, I think. They kind of, because they're tutorials from the devs telling you what, you know, what's going on. But yeah. it, it's very much the same dynamic. Okay. The biggest creature that you encounter for the first time is Ekthir the deer god. He's like the first big boss that you have to fight. He's pretty much a doozy. What is his relevance then? Okay. Yeah. So now part of our Discord community, Elle White, uh, I think her boyfriend had these questions and she posted mm -hmm. them for him about Ichthyr. Uh, Ichthyr is, he's one of these slight variations on Norse mythology. You know, he's a giant reindeer that shoots lightning at you and is very angry. I describe him as Rudolph on cocaine, but... <laughs> Uh, oh my God. And he is terrifying. Yeah. He's actually a version of a real creature. One called, the actual name of it was Ichthyrnin. Ichthyrnin. So this is a case where they've changed the name slightly. And Ichthyrnin is in the Edda by Snorri Sturluson, or brought to us by him. He is a, a heart, a giant, or that is say a deer, that eats the branches off the world tree, Yggdrasil. And of course, we can see the branches of the world tree, Yggdrasil, throughout the game up in the skies. He eats the branches off of this. And then instead of him shooting lightning in the mythology from his horns, these rivers flow out of that. And he basically, these rivers come out, out of his horns. And we actually have an image in stone from something called the Gosford Cross, which is actually a 10th century Anglo-Saxon cross. It's a big, like a 14 foot stone cross, and it's got stone carvings of all sorts of Christian. And it's interesting because it's got Christian and Norse myths combined on them. Uh, some people think mm -hmm. the Christian stuff was added later. I actually don't know enough about it to, to have an opinion on that. But one of the things on it is Ikthirnin, this reindeer that bites off the world tree and creates these rivers. Interesting. Okay, this is probably not related at all, but there's a uh, heavy metal rock band called Mastodon. Mm -hmm. Their third album was Blood Mountain. Probably have never heard of this before, but their famous song from that album was called Colony of Birchman. Mm -hmm. By the way, Mastodon from Atlanta, where I currently live right now. The cover of that album, Blood Mountain, features a deer head that looks almost identical to Ekthir. Ah, just before this, I, I looked it up really quick. And I was like, wow, it looks very familiar. I wonder if it's the same. Probably not related at all. But I just wanted to point that out for any heavy metal heads that are listening right or now. Or inspired by. Right? Or inspired by. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to point that out. So, and then later on, there's a harder to fight creatures. They're called Fenrings. I haven't encountered them yet. Yeah, but... they are these werewolf creatures. And I think mm -hmm. the new expansion is going to be very Fenring centered but they're these kind of werewolf creatures and these are i think based on fenrir who is this giant wolf who's very important and will have a lot to do with Ragnarok and the end of this creation and the, the spawning of the next creation just like ichthyrnin is a creature who is not just a, a single creature but rather part of how the world works fenrir is part of the entropy that's destroying this world so Oh, Fenring, okay. or the Fenrings, I guess, are based on Fenrir in some way. I think Fenrir is just a wolf, not a werewolf, but, you know, 
No, he's just a wolf. But as far okay. as I know, Ichthyrnan doesn't shoot lightning from his oh, thank God. <laughs> from his horns either. We don't need another boss that does that. And then we've got smaller, more annoying creatures called gray dwarfs that lurk in the woods. They're among the first creatures that you encounter. Yeah, you see a lot of dwarves in not just Norse mythology, but all sorts of mythology, which are these kind of small and often annoying creatures. Uh, sometimes they're not small. Sometimes they're just a form of elf. And these seem to be somehow made of stone and rock. So they appear to be coming out of the natural world in a way that is um, not directly part of what you would think of as Norse mythology, but you could sort of see the connection between the natural mm -hmm. world, a kind of pantheistic view of the world, and that I'm out here in these woods and I'm cutting down logs. So the logs themselves will send spirits out to attack me. And then let's talk about my favorite, and we talked about them a little bit earlier, but my favorite enemy in the game, trolls. Yes, these are... Uh... <laughs> Why are they your favorite? Yeah. I Because I love the games spin on trolls. Trolls are, are typically portrayed in movies and TV shows and books and other video games as being small, you know, maybe lumbering. But these trolls, they look just like the Seattle Bridge troll. If, you know, <laughs> look that up really quick. Anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about. These trolls look exactly like that. Like if that troll came to life, they would, it would just nail it. Yeah. Um, except blue. These trolls are big and blue and scary. <laughs> So that's why I love these trolls so much. Yes, they are big and blue. They're basically like big blue giants that mm -hmm. come and fight you, don't yep. like you very much. And one thing I've come to not like about the trolls in the game, I will just say, is that they wear loincloths. And so <laughs> it is very common for after you've killed one, for it to kind of fall down on top of you and then you're staring into its butt. And I just would prefer not to stare into troll butt. I'm kind of glad it's wearing a loincloth, though. I mean, you know that? I guess, right. beats the alternative, How about right? trousers? How about that? <laughs> they have you money. You want a fully clothed troll? <laughs> they could buy themselves a nice little outfit. That begs the question, where are they keeping all that money? <laughs> oh, you're right. There are no pockets in those loincloths. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think right, some on. things are better left unexplored. Yeah. All right. Finally, the final uh, creature we want to talk about, certlings. Yeah. So I have a theory about this. I have no idea what this is going for. But so certlings are these kind of fire elementals. And what I'm about to describe is not really fire elemental, but cert sounds like svart, which means dark. And they have svart elves, mm -hmm. which are dark elves, which are, I think, are supposed to be essentially the inverse of the light elves. Or in this case, I think of the graylings, the gray dwarves. And so mm -hmm. I think the certlings are supposed to be Svardalves. The idea that Svardalves who live in Svardalheim are fire elementals, I don't think that's uh, part of it. But again, this is one of these things where they have a nod to Norse mythology. And they've played around with it enough, but they've left just enough there that you see they're not just being silly. They're actually inspired by something. Oh, interesting. I'd never heard of that before. There you go. Let's go ahead and get into some recommendations. Do you have something you would like to share with our pop medieval listeners? I do. I want to recommend a book, which I am holding up to the screen on our audio only podcast. here. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a link to it. Don't worry. Yeah, it's called Old Norse for Modern Times. And it's uh, Ian Stewart Sharp, Dr. Anglomer Vidalian and Josh Gillingham uh, have produced this book. And it is a phrase book. And one thing, I don't know if you actually know this about me, but I, for a long time, collected phrase books uh, when I would travel. I love collecting phrase books. Mm -hmm. I used to have quite a nice phrase book collection because I liked not learning to say the things, but like phrase books will always essentially have things that they would suggest that you say. Uh, mm -hmm. So, for example, I was... Uh, 
on Duolingo the other day, and one of the example sentences was, I drove my bike to the vegan bar and had, a wasn't a kale smoothie, but it was something along those lines. I thought, wow, they are really so suggesting good. a particular lifestyle to me here. And this is a phrase book, but it is very tongue in cheek. You're gonna learn very, very little yeah. that will be of use to you if you were to go back in time. So they have phrases like just randomly coming through here. Emoji, how would you say emoji? Brochelier. How would you say, I, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. How would you say, close but no cigar? I'm not camping with these heathens. Uh, it's you know, <laughs> shape up or ship out, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it has all sorts of amusing ones. A lot of them that have to do with online computer gaming life. So that is Old Norse for Modern Times. And we'll have a link in the show notes so you can go to Goodreads and get that from your favorite retailer. So you're going to have to use these phrases as we're playing Valheim now. You know, I did try using a few of them, but normally I want to use them at a moment of great crisis and no one wants to hear it then. That's true. <laughs> no one wants to hear your bon mots. <laughs> Come right. on, Doc. So how, how about you, Nina? What do you have to recommend for us today? Sure. So Nicholas Winding Refn is a very divisive director in our house. He has directed some very good films. And he's also directed some really, really questionable films and TV shows. His latest project is a television show called Too Old to Die Young. And it's 10 episodes of an hour and a half long something. Say, I only saw like a seven to 10 minute long scene from one episode. And I, I was just like, what is this? What are you watching? And then I just checked out. I, I couldn't do it. I have to tell our dear sure. listeners that because I can see Engineer Mike, I can see that the only thing that you two agree about on this show is that it's divisive. <laughs> it's very divisive. And the reason why I'm telling you guys this is because there is one thing that we do agree on, and that is Valhalla Rising. One of his first pictures is fantastic. That's a great film. All of the slow, pensive, and thoughtful decisions that he makes in his directing works in this film. I mean, the film has maybe five or 10 lines of dialogue total, and you really have to do a lot of watching. This is a show, not tell type of movie. And from what you can tell that it's about, it's about Scandinavian Scotland, Viking Scotland, during the Crusades, Mads Mikkelsen is the only recognizable actor that I, I can tell. I think the other actors are, they're not big Hollywood names. They're no one that I recognize. But Mads Mikkelsen is the lead and he's got one eye and he leads the rest of the characters who don't have names per se away from Scandinavian Scotland to where we think is the Holy Land, but they end up in where I think is indigenous America. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's how I was supposed to understand it. And then other things happen. I'm going to leave it like that because your interpretation is more important than my interpretation. But like I said, it's a beautiful mood piece. And you really can't stop watching this movie. It, it's gorgeous. Like the cinematography is fantastic. And the lack of dialogue really works in its favor. And that's something that I can't really say for all of uh, Winding Refn's movies. <laughs> Sorry. But <laughs> this one I can it's really, really good. So if you are an actor who is in Valhalla Rising and you're not Mads Mikkelsen, remember it was Nina who said you were nothing, that you're no name. I did not say that. 
I said I did not recognize and you. And I believe that she wishes you would just die. I believe that's what oh she Oh, my does. God. Okay. Yeah, that I did say. That I did say. I'm sorry. No, I agree. I really enjoyed that film as well. And you're right. It's yeah. a very show-not-tell movie. It's very, very well structured, very well put together. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it, too. All right. Well, anything else for the good of the group before we stop recording and I get on Valheim to help Mrs. Awesome... <laughs> fight some undead or mug some trolls or raise some pigs or I don't know, even kill some drakes. I just want to say it's really nice to play a game or explore something in Norse mythology that isn't problematic. Yes, that's right. Nazis ruin everything, and this is something that has not yet been ruined by Nazis. I'll just say that. I'm very happy about that. Yeah, there's nothing troubling about it, actually, at all. It's very... It's relatively wholesome. For a game where you are dead, and then get undeaded, and then deaded again, that's the wrong English for that. And you're fighting people who are more dead than you are half the time. Yes. For all of that, it's relatively wholesome. It is. There's just a lot of Mm -hmm. blueberry picking for our Viking world. Mm, Yeah. So uh, we recommend it. All right. Well, I got to go play some Valheim with Mrs. Awesome. So we'll join you later. All right, good. West through hall, Nina. West through hall, Doc. Pop Medieval was recorded in our Nerdhaven studio. Your hosts are Dr. Richard Scott Noakes and Nina McNamara. Our audio engineer is Engineer Mike. Our music is courtesy of Dr. John Jinra. For more information, visit our website at profawesome.com slash or visit our Discord channel using the invite link in the description of this episode. Thank you for listening. It's not like World of Warcraft or Ark where they grow back after 24 hours, is it? They get wiped out, they get wiped out for good. Yeah, when you get rid of a resource, it's gone. You know, the first continent we started on, there is very little left there for us other than just going and grabbing wood, Mm -hmm. right? There's very little metal. All the birch trees we've almost stripped from the meadows. I mean, the entire continent we've stripped of the resources we need. And you should see what we've done in the mountains. We found one mountain that had a lot of silver mines, and it is the greatest ecological disaster ever us coming into those mines it is just you've strip mined everything strip mined an entire mountain it is off to to the degree that in order to get from one location to the other we have to jump over these huge quarries that we have and i've started just tearing out parts of the earth just to make it easier to go from (laughs) one quarry to the next now we basically have to shrink the mountain down just so we can travel around (laughs) 